0: Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast, 30 minutes, 50 for subscribers of News of the Day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez.
1: And I'm Brad Binkley.
0: Our top story, there is a route in the markets from stocks to crypto. What you got on that?
1: For the crypto side of it, I think the markets are being manipulated personally. They have been cut substantially and they're crashing, they're driving the fear high. But while everybody is selling out of fear that it's going to crash down to zero or whatever, you have to keep in mind that Microsoft just made that big acquisition. We have all of these other companies are making these big investments in the metaverse. They're putting out their crypto coins. You have Nike, Gap, Walmart, companies like that doing that. We have the metaverse town halls, virtual assemblies, and Coinbase just partnered with MasterCard. Uh, to have an NFT marketplace purchases thing set up. And the agreement is aimed at allowing non-crypto natives to get into NFTs without using the wallet and first buying Ether. So what they're doing is they're setting something up to make it simpler, the whole process of buying crypto, thus making it easier to go more mainstream. And we also have the whales, the guys who are or the companies who are holding the most cryptos, while everybody else is selling their stuff, These whales are holding theirs. They're moving their crypto off of the platforms and into hard crypto wallets, which, from my understanding, typically means that they intend on holding this crypto for a long period of time. This, to me, sounds kind of like the Soros thing when he crashed the market. It sounds like the... the. Who was it that crashed the market back in – not the Rockefellers, the – The
0: Rothschilds. The
1: Rothschilds back crashing the market. in the
0: Napoleonic era.
1: Right. It feels like this market is being crashed so that they can drive all of the other people out of it, and then they swoop in and buy more and more of it once the fear has kind of really you know, thinned it out and lowered the price so they can – pull it all up and on a final note the Federal Reserve just published a white paper titled Money and Payments the US dollar in the age of digital transformation
0: so you're saying crypto is here to stay yes I am Okay, um, I think that I would caution against like here's the time to buy oh it I'm not saying be.
1: that yes yeah. definitely <laughs>
0: we had we had a um, guy I forget which who it was and I shouldn't because I know this guy who said that um, he expected a blow off top in bitcoin in 2022 he told us that at the last two zoom parties and i would consider this a blow off top i mean it was down 40 percent yeah so that's uh, I, I that's about where it goes so i don't know where it's bottoming out it is up off the bottom today I noticed that uh, the the for me, the fears aren't so much that we aren't going to have crypto. It's that like it's a, I try to look at how China is handling it. Did China. So last week, Russia said that they were banning crypto, right?
1: Yeah, they said that. I, said, I think they said they were considering it.
0: And did not Yeah, they were considering it. And didn't China say or do something like that, too?
1: They did around. May, I believe. And even after they did that, it dipped, it went down, but then it rallied back up to an all-time high afterwards.
0: Right. Yeah. And then, but I'm trying to answer a different point, that uh, China, at the same time, talked about establishing a digital uh, yuan, right? They are are putting putting their own digital currency in place?
1: I am not certain on that. That sounds... That sounds right, but I can't confirm that one. I think so.
0: So my my own what I consider to be the question on crypto is how so the government's obviously I think planning The IMF talks about it all the time planning Digi dollars, right? So how are they going to handle that transition? Are they going to go back and say, well, Bitcoin was unconstitutional all along. Um, so we don't have to compensate you if we replace it or ban it, or are they going to incorporate it and shore it up and use it as its own basis? So for me, the long-term question about crypto isn't, are we sliding headlong into a cashless society? I think we are. But how does existing crypto fold into the Fed's plans? I don't have any insight into that.
1: I don't either. That's a great question.
0: And then the other thing that's going on is it's not just the crypto markets that are, um, I mean, the crypto markets were basically in free fall, but the stock market went down a lot. And they say bond markets are also pulling back because it looks like interest rates are going up. And then you have what's called a risk off play. So you have a risk on play when interest rates are very low, people have to seek out riskier assets like in the stock market. And then when interest rates go up, they can take some risk off the table and get some returns in markets that have a fixed return like that or less risky return. And then at the same time, you have inflation expectations up and the Fed saying that they're going to taper or um, yeah flatten out their bond purchases. This has been in the works for a while. It should have been. Um, Factored into the prices. So I think there are different things going on here, but I think they used to call it a temp, a a taper tantrum. So I don't know if that's it. So a lot of the asset classes are moving together. And uh, I think one thing that people are watching the crypto market for is, is it now in lockstep? with stock and bond markets like it wasn't crystal clear how that was going to work. A lot of times this stuff is inverse to the dollar and then crypto is almost by definition inverse to the dollar. So uh anyway, so I just I feel like we're we're seeing some we're learning about how crypto acts in light of other asset classes. They all seems to be going I mean, crypto obviously is f- fell a lot more than the stock market, but like Nasdaq and stuff was way off
1: well, I think that part of the allure of crypto was the decentralization of it. And this would appear to make it seem like it's not going to be decentralized if these governments are going to kind of harness it and take control. I say governments, but governments and their private public partnerships through these tech companies and everybody that they work with. that would kind of blast a hole in the notion of decentralization.
0: Yeah, Um, yes, I think the plan is definitely to centralize. And, I you know, it just annoys me because the whole the whole argument behind the Fed from the very beginning was to smooth the boom bust cycle. And it feels like they've totally institutionalized it, that there are. And I agree with you, these these markets are manipulated to get them to crash and so people can buy. I don't know if the big guys are buying Bitcoin at 35,000 right now. I don't know if they're entering the market, but if you do believe in Bitcoin specifically, then this looks like it's a buying opportunity.
1: You can follow the bigger accounts, the whales. There's Twitter accounts. There's websites set up where you you don't know who they are. You just know how much they have, the assets they have and what they're doing. And the larger accounts appear to be holding right now. They're not buying. They're not selling for the most part. Boy,
0: that's a lot of transparency. Yeah. That's weird. Um, Okay. Well, yeah. So, this is all stuff that, I mean, that's just a brave new world right there. Right. And I should say that this is
1: subject to the recording right now because this stuff is very volatile. It changes quickly. So, yes.
0: Right now, crypto, last time I looked at it, Bitcoin was 35,000.
1: Yeah. I think it's 36 right now this second. very second <laughs> could All be 32 right. when we when you listen could be yeah but i mean guys.
0: it's off the lows from over the weekend it yes looks like yeah to
1: me. okay i wanted to make a quick comment about a story we covered not last week but maybe the week before is that robin sage training that is going on in north carolina right now and i wanted to clarify with the help of a listener that this training is not rare or unique it is one that has an unconventional warfare training exercise that is conducted annually by the U.S. Army and John F. K. Special Warfare Center in school, and the exercise is a culmination exercise, the final test in the U.S. Army Special Forces Qualification Course, standing between, cadet, between candidates and their Green Berets. So it's a Green Beret test, and the Army release given to the local outlets in South Carolina and North Carolina said that the exercise is designed to represent an environment of political instability characterized by armed conflict, forcing the soldiers to analyze and solve problems to meet the challenges of this real world training, so I wanted to give that full information out there mm, that it is something that happens every single yeah. year, and it is not specific to just this year. And that is important because if it were specific to just this year, it would lend more worry that it could be connected to some of the domestic terrorism strategies that the Biden administration is pursuing. But since it's done on a yearly basis, then I think that that lessens that possibility. But it
0: doesn't. It doesn't mean that. Giving it, I mean, we never heard of it before, right? So maybe they're looking, because one of the comments we got from a listener who is involved in this stuff as well, or is aware of it, was that the problem is as they increase this kind of training or make it more open, it gets people... In desensitized to the that kind of activity, military training, violence. uh, They don't call it in; the things just go by unnoticed, unresisted. It's harder to tell something. The difference between a drill and a real situation that happened to me at the TSA once in the airport. I thought it was real, and I had my son who had Down syndrome with me, going through security. He was through, and I wasn't through. And they were like, "Freeze!" And they started freaking out, and I was like, "This kid could just freak out." and and that's and then when the guy said oh yeah go hang out with them I was like I was afraid to move but then it got me to be like oh that was just a drill I will not be as scared next time
1: yeah okay so desensitizing people to potential
0: right so like if I see something like that happen I'm just gonna keep walking yeah but what if it's something to be afraid of actually to tell you the truth as a New Yorker a lot of times if you just keep walking you get yourself some distance between you and the problem yeah just don't make eye contact and keep walking. Now, I think if there's a bunch of you know guys in uniforms with guns, I might listen to them, but <laughs> just out of fear for my life. OK, so while well, talking about fear for your life, the U.S. has told embassy families to leave Ukraine and Biden has suggested moving troops to Eastern Europe. Now, this is a perfect example of what I call the contrary law of democracy, which is where you get from, you can only get the thing you fear the most from your own party. So in this case, and I always use it against, the Republicans are the ones who are gonna give you gun control. I mean, everybody's trying to give it to you, but the ones who are really gonna make some progress are the Republicans because you won't have so much resistance. So now I also coined for the Democrats, the new war party. Because they're the ones who are going to bring the wars. They have a thing about Ukraine, anyway. There was so much corruption. Biden was so entrenched in that. I, I, I am shoring up or doubling down on my opinion of what this is really all about. So, let me just give you a little recap of what happened over the weekend, and then what I kind of thought it was all about. So, so we have had these repeated interactions with Russia where it looks like to us what we're saying is Russia is building up its defenses on the border of Ukraine including Belarus which is an ally of Russia's on the north of Ukraine and Russia itself to the east of Ukraine now I just discovered that Lavrov who I love Sergey Lavrov he's just such a statesman he's their foreign minister and he's just a take no prisoners guy and I just he always is such a straight shooter I'm not saying I love him like oh like I agree with him. He's just obviously a Russian statesman who has experience and is a plain talker and serves the interests of Russia. So he's an example of what you want your statesman to be. And he said he was sounding the alarm since November that there was a lot of mobilization in NATO countries. And if you look at some of the non-U.S. press, you'll see that it's happening all over. And what Biden was talking about is he said he might move troops to Russia, uh, to Poland and Romania. But apparently there's been a lot of activity going on since November. And as a response to that, Russia has been asking for two things. One, to make sure that Ukraine and uh, Georgia, I think, don't actually get into NATO. And then the other thing is to, uh, they offer two treaties, one to Washington, the other to NATO, that they should refrain from military activity on the territory of former Warsaw Pact countries. So I, I think I've told you this before, After when Gorbachev negotiated with HW, I think it was, to bring down the wall, they had an agreement not to absorb Warsaw Pact countries into NATO. So the Warsaw Pact countries were uh, Soviet countries on the border of Russia. And that was Russia's assurance that there would be some kind of neutral zone, a buffer between Europe and Russia If Warsaw Pact countries went NATO, then Russia would have NATO right up to its borders. And that would be dangerous for Russia. They would feel too threatened because then you could put your troops right up against their border with no buffer zone. And um, like in a situation like this, kind of escalate things. So they're asking, okay, so you did absorb a bunch of the Warsaw Pact countries into NATO, but please don't use them to do military exercises and that kind of thing. And we're saying, our response has been, you can't tell us what to do. We don't have a two-tiered NATO. We're not telling you who we can uh, uh, include in NATO. So it's really, I think, it's from what I can tell, Russia perceives escalation. They asked for some assurances that it wasn't and they're not getting them. And we continue to act like Russia is escalating, that they are ginning up a false flag, that they are trying to affect a coup in Kiev, which is exactly what we did. Just like Trump's call with, uh, the, the Ukrainian president now was a reflection of Biden's call with the prior Ukrainian president. So there's a lot going on there and. I completely think that we're trying to escalate things, and I figured out why. Because, so yeah, last week I said, I think this is about the gas pipeline going into Germany. So Germany gets 50% of its um, gas from Russia, which is higher, I think, than anybody else in Europe, and they have higher gas needs because they're phasing out nukes, they're phasing out coal, and they are the industrial powerhouse, so they use a lot of energy. They have a good relationship with Russia, Especially regarding this, they have a long-standing relationship that Russia would never use gas for political reasons, that would never interrupt the supply, and Russia has always lived up to that. But we keep saying that Germany has made itself too vulnerable to Russia. We can't put sanctions on Russia because of Germany's reliance on Russia, and for defensive reasons, they should pull back on that reliance. Well, they're not pulling back. They're doubling down because they are opening Nord Stream 2, which is the second gas pipeline, which will double the amount of gas that flows from east to west that Germany uh, taps into out of Russia. And the new chancellor of germany so Merkel finally is gone and the new guy schultz who is a social democrat with historically strong ties to the russians or at least a more favorable outlook disposition towards russia than the christian democrats i think they're called had um and what schultz said is we will we will engage in sanctions against russia but only if russia commits an act of aggression So now i feel like we are so hell-bent on provoking russia to commit an act of aggression which may only be defensive anyway so to either be a false false flag or it might be defensive but the way we spin these things like the crimean thing was basically defensive and we act like russia was the aggressor there that if we can spin it then we can put pressure on germany to not use the gas. But I cannot see how Germany is not going to use the gas from Russia. I cannot see it happening. And I I suppose an all-out war might interrupt that, but it's not looking good.
1: Yeah, it gets really hard to tell who the provocator is, who the first mover is, when everything is a false flag. When we live in a world where false flags are the standard until you call out false flags and you become the crazy conspiracy theorist.
0: <laughs> right. And then this one, though, it's where Jen Psaki is calling out the false flag. But one thing that really bothered me about what Biden said was he said he said he said we have a secret obligation in Article five to come to Ukraine's aid. Article five that he's talking about, if I'm not mistaken, is a NATO document. We only have an obligation. It's not a sacred obligation. It's a totally illegitimate, irresponsible obligation. We should absolutely not have a mutual defense pact with countries that are entirely on a different continent. That is absolutely wrong. But in any case, Ukraine is not in NATO. Ukraine is not in NATO, oh, right? <laughs> so we don't have a mutual defense pact with them. And uh, Ukraine is accusing the West of fomenting hysteria and causing a run on their banks. So I guess not everybody in Ukraine is on board with this. And They're accusing
1: us of doing that? Uh, yeah. Who is? Is it their government that's doing that?
0: Um, I was looking. I, it definitely was not attributed to the president Zelensky. It was maybe attributed to somebody else. I didn't pull the exact quote, but... Uh, I believe it would be officials in Ukraine. Now, not everybody in Ukraine is totally under the thumb of Zelensky. He has no political background. He was a comedian. So they're they're pursuing Poroshenko criminally. and, And that, I think, is bound to bring up his conversations with Biden, that quid pro quo stuff, which I don't think a regime entirely under our thumb would be would be in favor of. Now, when they're saying that Russia is trying to affect a coup in the Kiev government, perhaps the factions in Ukraine are losing, like our puppets there are losing control and may actually be replaced by yet another attempted democratic uh, change of government. But like they do here, Anything that doesn't follow our script, they might call a Russian you know, election interference.
1: Yeah, right. So they've set up that. They've established that baseline of it must be interference. And maybe there'll be another call or imperfect or perfect call between a president over <laughs> here and over there in our near future.
0: You never know. But something is also going on in Syria, which um, I think is related to this. And I'll tell you about that in the XR. And before we get to our deepest dive of the day, where we try to get to the bottom of Republican-style climatism. I think I just coined that. And I want to tell you what we're going to talk about in the XR. This Syria thing, why is it heating up again? And a former NBA star is banned by his alma mater. But before we get to that, let's hear from our most enjoyable... To listen to, sponsor, The Rye Guys.
2: Do you love freedom? Does the daily news leave you shaking your head? Does mindless conformity give you the heebie-jeebies? Are you surrounded by people who just don't get it? Are you right now wearing clothes? You over there, yes, you, do you like cool clothes? Well, meet the Rye Guys, makers of fun, freedom-loving t-shirts and more, quality products for independent thinkers and other such troublemakers. We make each of our handcrafted tees with equal parts satire, mischief, and rye social commentary. Put on one of our tees and you'll meet kindred spirits, share a laugh, and enjoy great conversation take off one of our tees, and well we're not here to judge you we support liberty peace and voluntary solutions to societal ills and you have our word our products are never tested on animals other than sacred cows so stop by today at www.ryguys.com that's w-r-y-g-u-y-s dot com the rye guys a rye wit for today's shit
0: You can use the promo code PROP10 to get 10% off anything at the Rye Guys and you can go peruse their website for humorous, very clever. They're actually very clever. So it's fun just to look around their website. But if you want to support us, feel free to do so by supporting our sponsors, but also by supporting us directly. And when you support us directly, you can get an avalanche of Great content, original, exclusive content from us, really a lot, a lot of bang for the buck. And if you are not familiar with it firsthand, the most bang for the buck is Rockfin. You can get all of our XR, DNB XR, our XR interviews. You get anything that we put on video, we release on video, we put on Rockfin, especially since, I mean, I got yet another strike on YouTube. Uh, so we've really gotta abandon that but at rockfin you get two other things that you're not going to get anywhere else which is our exclusive deep dives so binkley puts two or three hours of really triggering stuff together for us on a monthly basis and you can get that usually there's an you know an hour maybe two hours at a time and it's a lot to absorb so that's exclusive to Rockfin, a lot of bang there. And then what's amazing about Rockfin is that if you join through our channel, you get access to all of the exclusive content of everybody else on Rockfin. So I don't know if you've checked it out, but like Tripoli and the whole Union of the Unwanted gang just always puts Rockfin first. I mean, there is just a never-ending supply of stuff there. Whitney Webb is there. Uh, Scott Adams I saw there. The Jimmy Dore people love, he's there. Um, Jason Burma. there's just so many people and so much stuff on there. So please uh, check it out. You can join free. There's a lot of free stuff there too. And in the meanwhile, you can continue to listen to our show free. But if you want a little more, go ahead and check us out at rockfin.com slash propaganda report. And now on to the deepest dive of the day. I saw. Did you see these headlines of Desantis, like CNN saying Desantis is walking back his position on climate change? Did you happen to see that? It was there was a lot of headlines like this over the weekend that I noticed.
1: I didn't see those.
0: All right. Well, I was wondering what it was all about, and it's definitely about something. There was definitely a there there, and it wasn't. This is the thing that we just move ever closer to the two wings of the same bird or English style conservatism, where it's not about principles anymore. It's not about real fundamental differences with respect to either the facts or the ideology it's just quibbling about policy and semantics. So what DeSantis launched and I and when I was reading this in CNN and then I was also reading the print version of The Wall Street Journal, which did not have the same headline as the online version of The Wall Street Journal. What it said, it was clear to me that what he was doing was totally stipulating to climate change, global warming specifically, and all of that implies rising sea levels all of that he just wasn't his his big line in the sand was whoa We don't know if it's fossil fuels burning or intentional or human or what the heck it is, you know, but, but it's time to stop quibbling about the causes here. We're not, he said, this is literally the quote, like we're not doing left wing stuff. We're going to shore up our shores. We're going to build resilience. We're going to deal with climate change, even if we don't buy the leftist narrative about where it comes from. So all of a sudden, The right wing position is to adopt a whole half of the climate change policies, maybe not the clean energy stuff, maybe not phasing out fossil fuels, but completely redoing infrastructure, totally acknowledging rising sea levels, which I think can only come from a melting Antarctica. I don't think it can come from icebergs melting because icebergs are already in the sea. So there is, I was always a little sketchy on that anyway. Of course, in my mind, the infrastructure thing is about so much more. It can't be about climate change at all, because I think the only climate change is coming from what they're spraying in the sky with uh, full intentions. Yeah,
1: right. Never mind the manipulated weather that we know that we have the capability of doing.
0: The real climate change. So the, so, but another thing that they're doing, so that's one thing where they're, they're not stipulating the cause. They're just but they are stipulating the state of things and they're agreeing on the policy path to mitigate those things or build resilience to them that there's big money in that big money and that alone uh and then they're also doing this other thing which i noticed with the larry fink stuff oh i was supposed to do a fink follow-up on a deep dive on that letter he wrote i'll do that later in the week but when i did talk about him previously I highlighted what he said, which was straight out of Event 201, and it's straight out of a lot of things that we're hearing. One of the clips you played recently for me on the Rockfin Deep Dive, where they couch it all in kind of economic terms with, again, devoid of principle. Just like, well, businessmen should like this because it means more money for them. So... In, in this article, it said over and over again how it's in certain Republican governors are addressing this stuff because it's in their state's interest to address environmental concerns because climate events cost so much. Or the way Larry Fink talks about it, green, nobody's going to shop at your store if you're not green. You're not going to get government money if you're not green. You're not going to get subsidized, whatever, if you're not green, which basically speaks the economic thing into existence. That's putting policy-driven incentives or climate false flags will bring those you know what i mean so it makes it seem like it's an economically sound decision even though it's those policies it's circular the policies are being put in place to make sure that you suffer if you don't acknowledge this or act on it um and then Like a true capitalist, I should say, an unprincipled capitalist might say, well, let's just figure out what's going on and capitalize on it. And then you can take another step and say, well, policies that benefit me are these, therefore I advocate these policies, even though they're devoid of any kind of ethical basis.
1: And these are stakeholder capitalism, Great Reset policies, these climate-driven policies.
0: Well, I... The Republicans are the Republicans are doing like mitigation and resilience stuff. So the 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 Great Reset I think is really 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 focused on phasing out fossil fuels. Really focused on that. And yes, their infrastructure involves electric cars and all of that. This infrastructure is in it, it is includes like building seawalls or something, you know, that kind of thing. So I don't know if that's strictly the World Economic Forum stuff. This is where I think sometimes the left and right do have different interests. So at the federal level, John Curtis, a congressman from Utah, led the creation last year of the conservative climate caucus and emphasized private sector innovation to reduce emissions. So, yes, the emissions thing is a World Economic Forum Great Reset thing, but they're emphasizing the private stuff because they kind of want to get a piece of the action. And when Trump was promoting all the infrastructure stuff, he said, uh, or I noticed that. Investment companies, big money guys were starting infrastructure funds with the purpose of tapping into government incentives and money. I mean, to me, it's this libertarian, this traditional conservative, at least when it comes to economic stuff like that's wrong. Like, I want to boycott places like that. But this guy, Jason Crowley, a senior program director of the South Carolina Coastal Conservation League, said that there was an informal understanding between environmental groups and Republican elected officials to concentrate on addressing the climate crisis instead of debating the causes. Um, And that has paved the way for them to achieve policy goals. So what I was seeing happening is actually by the end of the article, I forgot about that. They actually admitted it at the end of that wall street journal article. So, uh, the last thing i'll say about this is they talk about how desantis is talking about these like tens of millions of dollars california just put in i think i i forget what the number maybe 13 billion in money to institute clean transit and also to reduce emissions and then that new New York governor, Kathy Hochul, I think you pronounce her name, she promoted a $4 billion bond measure for infrastructure spending couched in the screen stuff. And you might recall that Biden email where they were in a a financial arrangement with the Chinese company, which has since dissolved, I think, and probably because this stuff all came out, or I don't know why. But that's where they had that list of 15 people, including Gavin Newsom. And Andrew Cuomo, she just slid into Andrew Cuomo's shoes here, where they talked about how much infrastructure spending each of these people had that would be interesting to Chinese investors. So this stuff is extremely, uh, it's rife or ripe for corruption. and And the Republicans, I don't think, are as good at it, but they are always drafting in the wake and they want their little bit. I feel like that's what happened in Ukraine. I feel like that's what's happening here.
1: Very interesting. They all play the uh same side of a was it the same side of a different coin was phrase <laughs> Yeah,
0: I I don't know, but uh both sides of the same coin. Both sides yeah. of the
1: same coin. That's the one I was looking for. That's what Thank they're
0: that, it does seem to be it. So we did get speaking of the great set reset, have you heard of the greater reset?
1: The greater reset. <laughs> I don't know reset. that I have. Is there a greater reset?
0: There's a greater reset. Thegreaterreset.org is where you can go. Uh, A patron asked us to shout out this awesome event going on next week here in Texas, in Mexico, or online. Great speakers learning how to become more self-sustainable, independent, and exit the system while staying healthy, mind, body, and spirit. She'll be volunteering with their Texas Freedom Cell group. So if you want to learn more about this and see the locations, it's a very easy-to-navigate site. There's only a couple of tabs. It's called The Greater Reset one word dot org so you can check that out I think it might be this week not next week because she sent that to me last week so hopefully that's not too confusing and we've got more to come in the XR
1: fantastic you guys can find your drive time news blast every weekday afternoon at the proper dot or your favorite podcasting platform with the propaganda report podcast feed if you want access to that extra content Monica was telling you about Go to rockfin.com slash propaganda report and check us out there. We will talk to you tomorrow or in the DMB XR. Have a fantastic rest of your day.